Courageous, Chapter 12. Using a sturdy tree branch as an improvised cane, George limps his way down to the shore. The bombing has stopped, at least for the time being, and since the coast is clear, Rogers has decided they'll head back to the water. With the whole town under attack, it's too dangerous to remain in the cellar. So it's back to the boats. That is, if there are any boats left. George doesn't know what time it is, but it's almost dark. All around, he can see the results of the recent bombing. Buildings are aflame, wreckages everywhere, and the dead lie still and silent. George's heart aches to see them, the valiant men who've fallen trying to ward off the Nazi menace. Then George stops. There, lying right in front of him, is the big belligerent soldier who was giving him such a hard time just hours ago. Silently, George says a little prayer for the dead man, and then another of thanksgiving that his own wound, painful as it is, came in the leg. He's lucky that the shrapnel didn't hit his face or some vital organ. Tears rise in his eyes as he continues down toward the beach. The soldier wanted to live, that's all, just to get home safely. The tears now cloud his vision and he has to wipe them away before he can go on. When George can see clearly again, it's as if a miracle is taking place before his eyes. Earlier, there were only three boats in the water. Now there must be more than a dozen. And what's more, he knows them. He recognizes them. These are the little boats from his village, owned by people he's known his entire life. But how did this happen? Who brought them all here? Purring as best he can on his wounded leg, George stands at the shoreline, water lapping at the toes of his combat boots. The dory is nowhere to be seen, and George feels a stab of fear. If the dory is gone, where are Aiden and Sally? He scans the horizon anxiously, and to his relief, he sees the dory. It was hidden behind a larger boat. This boat is blue and white, and George knows it at once. This is the boat that belongs to old Mr. Potts, who had been in the Navy before becoming a fisherman. As a small boy, George was allowed to explore that boat. It was much bigger than the dory and had living quarters down below. Two narrow beds, a table, and two benches. Once, George was invited to spend the night, and he thought it was the most exciting thing ever. Mr. Potts kept him up, all, up until all hours, spinning wild yarns about his life at sea, storms, pirates, whales, and even a mermaid or two. George knew that these stories were largely made up, but that didn't stop him from enjoying them immensely. Yes, that's Pot's boat, all right. George is certain of it. He wades into the shallow water, eyes trained on the, white, on the blue and white boat. Standing at the wheel is a man in a sweater and tweed cap, but the man is younger than Mr. Potts. In fact, he looks a lot like George's father. George wades out deeper and deeper, the water chilly and biting as it swirls around his knees. Soon the water splashes up even higher, wetting the fabric of his jacket. His wound starts to throb, but George scarcely notices. That man is his father. Yes, he is. Dad, he cries, waving with a single hand at the boat. Dad, it's me, George. Aiden follows his mom down the few steps that lead below decks. Sally is on a narrow bed under a blue blanket, a bandage wrapped around her head. Her eyes closed. Nurse Billingham is seated on one bench, shaking the mercury down in a glass thermometer. 
Well, Aiden, she says softly. Her bun has come loose and there are deep shadows under her eyes. How is she? Aiden asks, not sure if he really wants to hear the truth. Well, she took a blow to the head and she wasn't conscious when we found her. I've patched her up as best I can, but it's hard to tell. If she comes to, we'll know she can pull out of it. If she doesn't, Aiden doesn't need her to finish the sentence. Can I talk to her? He asks. Of course, Nurse Billingham says. I don't know that she'll be able to hear you, but it can't hurt to try. Her mom was singing to her just a little while ago. Aiden approaches the bed nervously. Sally is pale and still, and he finds himself looking very hard to see if she's even breathing. He's relieved when he can see the slight movement her chest makes up and down, up and down. Hey, Sally, he says. I'm sorry you got hurt. So sorry. There's no reply. But you're a fighter, he continues. You always were. You can fight your way out of this one, Sally. I know you can. Aiden waits for her to give some indication she's heard him, even a flicker of her eyes, but she remains silent and motionless. Finally, he turns away. Try not to take it too hard, Nurse Billingham says. Maybe she'll pull through, but she doesn't sound confident. Maybe, Aiden says. That's all? Just maybe? It's the best I can do now, lad, she says. Why don't you go up and see your dad? He's been so worried about you. I'll stay down here, and if there's any change, I'll pop right up and tell you about it. Aiden hesitates, and she adds, You can trust me. So, sighing deeply, he climbs the stairs. If Sally doesn't pull through, he knows he'll never forgive himself. He's the one who brought her into this. If it hadn't been for him, she'd be safe at home. Up on deck, Aiden sees that night has fallen, and lights from the boats gleam ominously on the oil-slick water. The boat is moving quickly toward the shoreline, probably to pick up some of the soldiers who are now lining up on the beach. But there's one soldier moving out into the water. He appears to have been hurt because he's clearly unsteady on his feet and is using some kind of cane. It seems very risky for him to be wading out into the water. Why doesn't he remain safely on the shore with the others? Someone ought to make sure he gets back onto solid ground. Aiden hears his dad choke out a sob and runs up next to him at the helm. Dad! Over here! Dad! The soldier is shouting, and his father uses one hand to steer while he waves the other up in the air. George! cries his father. George, don't take another step! We're coming! You wait right where you are! Aiden leans out over the prow. George! They found George, and this time they're going to take him home. The boat comes closer and closer, and as soon as it's close enough, Aiden reaches down to help his father pull George aboard. They're all weeping and hugging, and their mom is covering George's face with hundreds of kisses. You're limping, she says when she finally steps back for a moment. You've been hurt. Aye, but not too badly, says George. Shrapnel got me in the leg, but the piece is out now. I'll be as good as new soon. Aiden is relieved to hear it, but the relief sours quickly when he thinks of Sally lying there below decks. Will she ever be good as new? He tries to push the thought away, to just let himself feel glad about his brother. 
George is here, safe and sound. At least he can be thankful for that. Where did all these boats come from? George looks around. Practically the whole village is here. When his eyes come to rest on Mr. and Mrs. Sparks, he hobbles over to give them a hug. It's true, says their dad, and it's really because of Aiden and Sally. When I told everyone how they'd run off to come over here, everyone who was on the fence wanted to come and help too. Where's Sally? George asks. Aiden finds the words are frozen in his mouth and he can't say them. He just looks down, unable to meet his brother's eyes. She was hurt, Mrs. Sparks says for him. She's below decks now. We're all praying for her. Let's do it together, shall we? For a moment, they all close their eyes and join hands in a silent prayer. Aiden prays harder than he ever has in his life. Please let her be all right. Please, please, please. Aiden opens his eyes when the hands holding his let go. The boats of the village are all around. And soldiers are making their way on board the different vessels. With all the recently arrived boats, it looks like there will be room for everyone. Aiden's heart swells with relief and happiness. They're going to be saved. Every single man here will be saved. If only Sally knew, she'd be as happy and proud as he is. Not saying a word to anyone, Aiden heads for the steps. But below decks, there's no change in Sally. Nurse Billingham has stretched out on the other bed and closed her eyes. She looked awfully tired earlier, and Aiden takes care not to disturb her. Silently, he tiptoes over to Sally's bed and takes her cold, clammy hand in his. Then he bends down and whispers urgently in her ear, We did it, Sally. We really, truly did it. If only you'd open your eyes, you wouldn't believe what you would see. The whole village is here. Your mom and dad and mine too. They all came, and there's room for all the men now. They're coming home, Sally. We're bringing them home. Aiden stares at his friend, willing her to wake up. Her eyes remain closed and her chest continues its rhythmic rise and fall. He squeezes her hand just a bit harder. Oh, Sally, please, won't you wake up? Do it for me, Sally, please do it for me. I know you can. And then, to his amazement, there's a flickering of her eyelids. Or does he just think he sees it because it's what he so badly wants to see? Sally, he repeats, Sally, open your eyes. And just like that, she does. Her gaze skitters around the room at first, and she seems confused until she sees Aiden's face. There you are, she says, and her lips, which are dry and chapped, form a smile. I was dreaming about you, Aiden. Such a good dream. We'd saved all the boys, every last one of them, and I was so happy. It's not just a dream, he cries. It's true, and we found George again. He's wounded, but he's going to be fine, perfectly fine. When you're strong enough, you'll come up the stairs on deck and you'll see for yourself. He's afraid to hug her, but he continues to clutch her hand, and they sit like that for several seconds, just beaming at each other. Then Nurse Billingham wakes up, and her face breaks into a wide smile when she sees that Sally is awake. Why, it's just a day filled with miracles, isn't it? she says as she joins Aiden at Sally's bedside. Miracles all around. 
Then she turns to Sally. Welcome back, class, she says. We were worried about you, but since you're up, I think you're through the worst of it. Now, how about a spot of tea? 